the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Lindsay Barnett. Welcome back. This is the London Free Press Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, I'm your host, Lindsay Barnett, and it's going to be a very busy week. It's already been a busy few weeks with regards to the provincial election. If you haven't seen some of the signs when you're out and about running errands, um, it may be because there is less, which I've noticed, and we're going to chat about that, among other things coming up. Um, But first, I want to welcome our London Free Press reporter, Jennifer Beeman today. Jen, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for taking time to join us. You have been covering all things Ontario election for the free press. So you're kind of the in-house expert. Um, And there's a lot going on with regards to this election. Um, And we could be doing this podcast for the next hour. We won't be. Um, But there's kind of a lot to unpack here. So let's maybe start within the London region. Um, I think within the city, like London Fanshawe, London West, London North Center, we've got three NDP incumbents. Um, First of all, let's talk, I guess, a little bit about projections. Are we expecting any upsets so far? You know, we don't have polling on it, certainly, but the NDP are really going to be looking on, like to hold on to those seats. They've had London Fanshawe and London uh, West for many years, 2011 and 2013, I believe. Um, London North Centre is kind of the new one, right? It was one in an open race last time when Deb Matthews, the longtime Liberal there, didn't seek re-election. So the NDP really plucked that from, you know, the Liberals. Uh, so it's really kind of the, the one to watch right now. Um, Terrence Kernahan, the NDP there, is really putting together a pretty good campaign. So is Kate Graham. She's gunning for it too. And Jerry Pribble for the PCs. So it's really interesting to watch. Just, you know, I'm getting ads for the candidates, all three of them, like they're really focused on that. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out on uh, June 2nd. Now, I know you said we don't really have any um, polls that have been done. I know Kate Graham commissioned a poll of her own, um, but some stuff that we are seeing provincially so far suggesting that we may see another Doug Ford government for the next four years. There's also been a lot of discussion online um, about strategic voting. And I can't remember, obviously this, these words get thrown around every election, but I don't remember an election in as recent years where this has been as much of a discussion amongst constituents. Are you hearing this as well? You know, strategic voting um, is basically just trying to vote against, you know, a party, uh, PCs or, or Doug Ford at this point. Uh, London North Center, I've heard it before, is that kind of idea of strategic voting, um, not to split the vote on the left, to let the PCs walk through the center. Um, that happened in the Bill Davis era years ago. A lot of times you'd have a really strong NDP and a really strong liberal and the PCs with you know, 32% of the vote would kind of kind of make their way up the middle and win the seat. Um, I'm not sure what'll happen in London North Center. I know that's the one that kind of people would talk about for strategic voting. Um, it's, you know, the, the liberals in 2018 didn't do very well at all province-wide. They really collapsed. A lot of them got like, less than 10% of the vote in this region. London North Center fared the best among the Liberals in 2018, had about 16% of the vote. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that increased this time, um, perhaps at the expense of NDP voters last time, but we'll really just have to see. And, um, you know, I, I guess it'll just be kind of one to watch. 
I'm glad that you brought that up because we talked about like the three in London, London North Center, Fanshawe and London West. You get outside of the city into Huron Bruce, um, Perth Wellington, Oxford County, uh, Sarnia Lambton, so on and so forth. A lot of these seats have been held. The incumbents are by the PCs. Are we expecting something similar? I know we don't have any hard numbers to go on right now, but um, would you be shocked to see a flip just outside of the city? Very, uh, you know, just every election, they're kind of reliably blue. They've been that way for quite a while, 2011, even earlier for some of them. Um, the one that is interesting is Chatham-Kent-Leamington. The NDP are really, really spending a lot of time attacking the Liberal there. Uh, there's a whole kind of thing about signatures and the NDP are alleging that this person just used signatures from the turf candidate to get on the ballot. Uh, and they've been really going after it. They had another little thing today about it. Um, they're really kind of interested and focused on kind of taking down the liberals and kind of destroying their credibility in Chatham, Kent, Leamington. So maybe they see that as an opportunity. Who knows? Um, you know, ridings can flip, certainly. I just, I don't know that I'd take that bet on some of our regional ridings. Um, they, they seem like fairly safe Tory seats. Now, we have seen some of the uh, provincial candidates helping people campaign in and around London and area over the past couple of weeks. Um, Andrea Horvath of the NDP and Mike Schreiner of the Green Party both had COVID-19. I think it was last week I saw. Do we expect this to hurt the campaigning at all because they obviously weren't out and about? You know, they seem to be taken along just fine when they were virtual and they're both back out on the trail today. So that's been great. Um, that's kind of new today. It's their first day back. So Mike Schreiner was up in Perry Sound, Muskoka. Um, they're really kind of targeting that area and pitching like a lot of, um, you know, this, they had a whole like plan for that specific area, which was kind of interesting. And um, Andrea Horvath is in Toronto today. She's going to Peterborough and Belleville as well. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's taken the wind out of their sails too much. I think by now we're all pretty used to the hybrid virtual in-person kind of having to pivot on a dime thing after two years of COVID. So, uh, you know, and, and kind of right now in this final week's really the crunch time. So if you're going to have COVID, I guess it's probably better to get it out of the way early. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, something I noticed, and I, I'll be upfront and honest, I went and I voted last week because I could. Advance polls were open, and uh, I like to beat the rat race on election day. Um, but something that I've noticed over the past couple of weeks is there are far less political signs out and about. Now, I know there was a big discussion about this. I want to say in January of this year, I believe Megan Stacy was the one who did an article on political signage with regards to elections. Um, has there been any chatter about why there is less signage? You know, I haven't really heard any, but I think people really need to understand that there's a lot of rules with signs, um, like city hall rules. You can't have two on one thing and there's very, very specific distances they need to be like, it's a whole Thing. Signs are also really expensive. Um, you know, they're a big, big asset you have to pay for out of your own budget um, for campaigning. So, you know, it's possible candidates might not want to spend the money this time around, or they don't have the volunteers to get them up, or it's kind of a quick campaign and they're just a little late to the punch on it. A few of our candidates here also were named kind of late. Uh, the Liberal in London Fanshawe, the Liberal in London West, they weren't candidates until like the end of April. Uh, they can usually get these things turned out pretty fast. But again, there's a few reasons why you might be seeing a few, few fewer signs. Well, talking about fewer signs and hitting the advanced polls, I walked into my polling station last week and there was no one there except for the staff. This is a way different story. Um, if we can 
backtrack a little bit to the federal election in the fall, they were warning people lineups, even for advance polls, were into a couple hour wait. Um, are we expecting as good of a voter turnout again? No one has a crystal ball, but it just seems like there's been a lot lately. I know people are still suffering pandemic fatigue. Um, here we go again. We've got a municipal election coming up this year as well. Um, I just, I, I've never walked into a polling station in my life and seen no one else there. It was weird. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Uh, you know, provincial elections, I think historically have had lower voter turnout than federal ones. And, you know, that's just sort of one of those things to overcome. I think, you know, anybody I've spoken to political science wise has called this a bit of a sleepy election. Uh, I don't know about you, I've spent two years looking at Queen's Park and watching Ford say things and when he's reopening things and closing things down and when Andrew Horvath comes out and says Ford's doing it wrong. Like I, we have been so tuned into Queen's Park for two years. I think that a lot of people, you know, are having their first kind of spring, restriction-free spring since the spring of 2019. Uh, and they're, they're just kind of ready to live their lives again. And, and so I'm not sure there is tuned in this time. I, I just, again, it's kind of that fatigue, that sort of moving on, that kind of, you know, kids are in school, people are working, returning to offices. There's just a bit of a sense of like things are calmer and more stable now. So, I mean, I don't know, I guess we'll have to see what Elections Ontario comes out with for advanced poll um, turnout and, and really kind of on election day, see where we're at. The discussion, at least from what I've been seeing online and the discussion I've been having with people, my peers in my life, um, it's been really interesting with regards to, are you voting party? Are you voting candidates? Um, which I, I guess is kind of strategic in a sense. Um, but just focusing on London and the immediate ridings within the city limits, what are some of the hottest topics we are seeing um, being discussed? You've really got to think it's affordability this time around. I know that we all kind of maybe even three months ago thought that the pandemic would be the issue. We're all really thinking about this driving us to the polls, but we've got crazy inflation, cost of living increases, gas prices that are insane, grocery prices that are just, huge and getting not much better so i've got to think that that's really on londoners minds it confronts them every day when they go and fill up the car go get groceries take the kids to soccer practice so i would imagine that's kind of a big one housing right now seems to be having a pretty big moment all the parties are really pledging big numbers for builds um it's not exactly clear how, how that will translate to affordability um you know the idea is increasing supply will kind of you know, lower price, but, you know, there's lots of other issues there that are, are driving up the cost of homes. Um, so I would say housing and, and kind of just general pocketbook issues are seem to be kind of the big things this time around. Something else that I wanted to mention, because again, there was a lot of chatter about this and none of the parties had really said anything except for the Green Party initially. And then it seemed that the NDP and then the Liberals followed suit um, is ODSP. There's been a lot of discussion. I don't know if you've noticed this in all of your reporting and you've done a fantastic job, by the way. Anybody listening right now, if you're feeling a little overwhelmed and you're not really sure right now, you're not dead set on a vote, just head over to lfpress.com. Um, there's an Ontario election tab right at the top and tons of Jen's articles are there and things are broken down. It's really fantastic, really focuses on some of the issues. Um, but I found the whole ODSP conversation very interesting. Why do you think that there was such a lag because the greens came out addressing it and this has been this has been a big concern for ontarians kudos to the greens they came out wanting to double it um it is a big pressing issue for for ontarians uh it's important part of our social safety net i feel like in in certain ridings too you would really see 
the fallout of having very limited social safety net or a very meager payment for Ontario disability. I'm thinking of the London North Centre. There's all kinds of people in the downtown that are just just getting by and just trying to get by on their their disability payments. So maybe for some people and some ridings in this city, it's even more of a present pressing thing that you'd see and, and have a concern about. Um, you know, the Liberals have have pledged to kind of improve it over time and cut kind of costs of living in other ways. And um, but really, it is it has been the Greens that have galvanized this a little bit, and certainly kind of some of your social activist types saying, "Hey, this is really important, and, and parties really need to be paying attention." Um, but yeah, I, I guess we'll kind of remain to be seen what happens there. But um, yeah, like I think it's kind of another example of the Greens really pushing the parties towards things, just like they've done with some environment issues too. Absolutely. We are starting to run out of time because, like I said, this will not be an hour podcast, but we could easily. There's so much here to unpack. Um, but just very quickly, you don't think that there's going to be any upsets, really, so to speak. Uh, I hate to put you on the spot. I know. I'm sorry. But I love to play the guessing game. I love to speculate. I do. Um, we all do. Say the, yeah. 10, the 10 in our, our region. Well, you know, I'd say that the ones outside of London have been Tory blue for a while. And I, I'd imagine they'd stay Tory blue. I don't think they're really, it doesn't seem like the new kind of small C conservative upstarts will really have the kind of momentum that they need to really, you know threaten a race in in the region but who knows right you never know the only poll that matters is on election day uh, in the city certainly like i mean london west and london fanshawe have been ndp for quite a while but i'd say london north center is really one to watch and I, I think that just even the behavior of the parties with the visits by ford and by um jagmeet singh yesterday campaigning for andrea horvath and by del duco last week we're seeing a lot of attention on lnc so um that would be the one i think uh, is certainly worth watching. Any other ridings in the province that you think we should be keeping an eye on? Obviously, our vested interest is in and around our region always, but I do love to watch the colors go on election day. It is certainly like always fun. It's kind of like like the Super Bowl for political wonks. Um, you know, I'd be interested to see how if Ford holds on to his seats, and I'm assuming he will, he seems kind of like he's cruising for that kind of majority territory but i'm really interested to see how the liberals do they really didn't do well last time i'm I'm assuming they'll do better this time it just kind of a matter of how well and where so that'll be kind of the big thing i'll look for on on election night last question very quickly and maybe a little bit unfair but if we don't see any traction with the liberals and ndp do we expect to see andrea horvath leading the NDP for Ontario? And do we expect to see Stephen Del Duca at the forefront there as well? If, if these parties don't gain any traction? That's a really good question. It came up earlier on the campaign trail. Someone was trying to ask her, you know, well, will you stay on? Will you stay on? It's her, I think it's her fourth election uh, as NDP leader. She passed a, a performance review earlier this year with really good numbers, uh, flying colors there. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I don't really know of any other kind of people up and coming in that party that might want to take on a leadership role. And it, it depends. I, I guess I don't know. It depends how many more elections they'll give her or how many she wants to stay on for. But um, she's really established herself as a bit of a brand. So it's hard to say it. I can't imagine they would turf Del Duca after this just one election, the short amount of time. But, you know, you never know in a party like that. And they're really, really trying to aggressively rebuild and um, resonate with voters. So I guess it's kind of one to watch as well. Absolutely. Jen, thank you so much for your time and your, again, your excellent reporting. Really appreciate it. 
Um, once again, if you're feeling confused, you don't really know what to do. There's a lot. I know there's a lot going on with this election. Um, of course, in the pages of the London Free Press over at lfpress.com. Election day, June 2nd. Mark your calendar. If you haven't gotten your voter card, you don't need it uh, to vote, by the way. You can get that information online as to where to go vote. Just make sure that you have a piece of government issued photo ID or license. Um, and off to the races we go. I'm excited to see what happens next week. Um, and we'll be chatting again soon. So thank you so much for being here. Until next week, stay well.